Coming to you from the Forge of Freedom studio in the heart of America, a podcast dedicated to preserving freedom and inspiring personal success. Freedom is born and lives through you, the individual, and it dies in the shadows of tyranny. Motivating our listeners to become well-rounded, freedom-minded people with the body of an athlete, the mind of a stoic, and the spirit of a warrior. The Tree of Liberty lives on through you, the Forge of Freedom. And now here's your host, Alex Uli. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Forge of Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Alex Uli, and this is episode 66 of the Forge of Freedom. The Medal of Honor, our nation's most prestigious military accolade, has been awarded over 3,500 times. According to Task and Purpose, which I'll link to in the show notes, 19 of the recipients have the distinction of having been awarded the Medal of Honor twice. Of those 19, two were Marines, Dan Daly and Smedley Butler. And today I'm going to discuss a book written by Smedley Butler, uh, written by Smedley Butler called War is a Racket. Originally printed in 1935, War is a Racket is General Smedley Butler's frank speech describing his role as a soldier as nothing more than serving as a puppet for big business interests. Widely appreciated and referenced by left and right wing people alike, this is an extraordinary argument against war more relevant now than ever. I think the insights he provides are just as applicable today, if not more, than they were in 1935 when he wrote the book. As is often said, those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. So let's get into it. From 1898 to 1931, Smedley Darlington Butler served in the United States Marine Corps, eventually attaining the rank of Major General prior to his retirement. By the time of his passing in 1940 at the age of 58, he had earned a remarkable collection of decorations, including two Medal of Honors, making him the most decorated Marine of his time. Throughout his tenure in the Corps, he was deployed to various regions, including the Philippines during an uprising against American occupation, China, France during World War I, Mexico, Central America, and Haiti. Given this remarkable military career, it was surprising to many when, in 1935, as the specter of World War II loomed, Butler expressed unconventional views in the magazine Common Sense. He said, I spent 33 years and four months in active military service, and during that period, I spent most of my time as a high-class muscle man for big business, for Wall, for Wall Street, and the bankers. In short, I was a racketeer, a gangster for capitalism. I helped make Mexico, and especially Tampico, safe for American oil interests in 1914. I helped make Haiti and Cuba a decent place for the National City Bank boys to collect revenues in. I helped in the raping of half a dozen Central American republics for the benefit of Wall Street. I helped purify Nicaragua for the International Banking House of Brown Brothers in 1902 to 1912. 
I've brought light to the Dominican Republic for the American sugar interests in 1916. I helped make Honduras right for the American fruit companies in 1903. In China in 1927, I helped see to it that Standard Oil went on its way unmolested. Looking back on it, I might have given Al Capone a few hints. The best he could do was to operate his racket in three districts. I operated on three continents. In the same year, he penned a seminal book titled War is a Racket, which still resonates today. The book's opening words proclaimed the inherent profiteering and viciousness within warfare, emphasizing the international scope of the enterprise and the toll it takes on lives versus the monetary gains reaped. He opens with these words, War is a racket. It always has been. It is possibly the oldest, easily the most profitable, surely the most vicious. It is only it is the only one international in scope. It is the only one in which the profits are reckoned in dollars and the losses in lives. Butler proceeded to dissect the cost and profits of war, shedding light on how it's the common people and soldiers who bear the burden while corporations and banks reap enormous profits from supplying the military. He prophesied a U.S.-Japan war in the mid-1930s to secure trade with China and safeguard investments in the Philippines, emphasizing the lack of sense this conflict would hold for the average American. He said, we would be all stirred up to hate Japan and go to war, a war that might well cost us tens of billions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of lives of Americans, and many more hundreds of thousands of physically maimed and mentally unbalanced men. Of course, for this loss, there would be a com compensating profit. Fortunes would be made. Millions and billions of dollars would be piled up by a few. Munitions makers, bankers, shipbuilders, manufacturers, meat packers, speculators, they would fare well. But what does it profit the men who are killed? What does it profit their mothers and sisters, their wives and their sweethearts? What does it profit their children? What does it profit anyone except the very few of whom war means huge profits? He goes on, It would have been far cheaper, not to say safer, for the average American who pays the bills to stay out of foreign entanglements. For a very few, this racket, like bootlegging and other underworld rackets, brings fancy profits, but the cost of operations is always transferred to the people who do not profit. Highlighting America's shift towards expansionist policies and its growing debt, he stressed the importance of steering clear from foreign entanglements. Butler elucidated how war inflated profits for specific industries, exploiting patriotism and disguising the, the financial gains under noble ideals. He says the, the normal profits of a business concern in the United States are 6, 8, 10, and sometimes 12 percent. But wartime profits, ah, that is another matter. 20, 60, 100, 300, and even 1,800 percent. The sky is the limit. All that traffic will bear, 
Uncle Sam has the money. Let's get it. Of course, it isn't put that crudely in wartime. It is dressed in, into speeches about patriotism, love of country, and we must all put our shoulders to the wheel. But the prophets jump and leap and skyrocket and are safely pocketed. And who provides these returns? We all pay them in taxation, but the soldier pays the biggest part of the bill. Beautiful ideals were painted for our boys who were sent out to die, he says. This was the war to end all wars, so they say. This was the war to make the world safe for democracy. No one mentioned to them as they marched away that their going and their dying would mean huge war profits. No one told these American soldiers that they might be shot down by bullets made by their own brothers here. No one told them that the ships on which they were going to cross might be torpedoed by submarines built with United States patents. They were just told it was to be a glorious adventure. Proposing ways to deter war, Butler suggested measures like subjecting the decision of war to those directly impacted and ensuring military forces are solely for defense. While acknowledging the unlikelihood of his proposed measures being adopted, Butler's dedication to peace and his unwavering stance against war remained steadfast. He even proposed a constitutional amendment for peace in 1936, underscoring his commitment to advocating for a world without war. The proposed amendment contained three provisions. The removal of the members of the land-armed forces from within the continental limits of the United States and the Panama Canal Zone for any cause whatsoever is prohibited. Number two, the vessels of the United States Navy or of other branches of the armed service are hereby prohibited from steaming for any reason whatsoever except on an errand of mercy more than 500 miles from our coast. And number three, aircraft of the Army, Navy, and Marine Corps is hereby prohibited from flying for any reason whatsoever more than 750 miles beyond the coast of the United States. It's a cliche to say the more things change, the more they stay the same, or history repeats itself. But on reading Smedley Butler today, who can resist thinking it? In reflection, as we witness contemporary military involvements and conflicts from Vietnam and Korea to Iraq and Afghanistan and now Ukraine, Butler's resounding declaration at the end of his book rings true. To hell with war. So that's where I'll leave it with Smedley Butler's War is a Racket. And of course, I'll link to the book in the show notes as well as a few articles that I think are worth reading, including the article I referenced at the beginning by Task and Purpose, which I think uh, provides some interesting insight and context about Smedley Butler. But I think that the lessons and the insights that he has are so applicable today that, that the American public is goaded into supporting foreign wars for patriotic reasons, when in fact, 
There is nothing patriotic about it. There is nothing about national defense. It's about protecting crony capitalists and their profits. And the American people need to wake up to this reality because it's the same playbook over and over again. And these wars benefit very few with huge profits at the expense of many. So with that said, I, I, I hope you'll, you'll read the book. I hope you'll take the, the message of the book to heart. Um, and I'd like to finish off with a quote that I found in the Future Freedom Foundation journal from January of this year. And it's a quote by Alexis de Tocqueville. And he says, The sovereign, after taking individuals one by one in his powerful hands and kneading them to his liking, reaches out to embrace society as a whole. Over it, he spreads a fine mesh of uniform, minute, and complex rules through which not even the most original minds and most vigorous souls can poke their heads above the crowd. He does not break men's wills, but softens, bends, and guides them. He seldom forces anyone to act, but consistently opposes action. He does not destroy things, but prevents them from coming into being. Rather than tyrannize, he inhibits, represses, saps, stifles, and stultifies. And in the end, he reduces each nation to nothing but a flock of timid and industrious animals with the government as its shepherd. And I think that this is related, this quote is related not only to the, the War is a Racket book by Smedley Butler, but in lots of ways to, to what we've seen happen in recent years, uh, not only with foreign policy, but with uh, the lockdowns during the pandemic and in lots of other ways. Uh, Alexis de, de Tocqueville, uh, hundreds of years ago, had this incredible insight. And we look at uh, a lot of times history, like these, these uh, founding minds, uh, these influential figures in history, like they, they, they don't know what we know today, but in lots of ways they had insights that we have forgotten and we need to, to remember. So thanks for, for tuning in. I, I hope you enjoyed the discussion. If you did, don't forget to like and subscribe if you haven't already. Your support helps us spread the message of freedom. Monday, I'll be joined by Mike Uli to discuss my recent experience at the Second Amendment Foundation's Gun Rights Policy Conference. I hope you'll tune in for that conversation. And until next time, remember, you are the Forge of Freedom. Thanks for listening to this episode of Forge of Freedom. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss a future episode. For more information or to connect with Alex, you can go to forgeoffreedom.com or follow him on Twitter at Forge of Freedom. Until next time, remember, you are the Forge of Freedom.